From Susan G. Komen, this is Real Pink, a podcast exploring real stories, struggles, and triumphs related to breast cancer. We're taking the conversation from the doctor's office to your living room. Breast cancer is the leading cause of cancer deaths for Hispanic and Latina women in the U.S., a fact that has driven today's guests to become a passionate advocate for health equity in the Latinx community. After her diagnosis in 2018, Adalia Guzman realized that living with NBC was possible and she could continue to have a productive life while enduring the treatment side effects. In fact, she's fortunate enough that she was able to continue with her doctorate degree studies and work full-time while raising two teenagers. Adalia is a part of Komen's newly formed MBC Steering Committee, which seeks to ensure the unique needs of the MBC community are integrated across Komen's programs and initiatives. She has also provided feedback for the development of Komen's MBC Impact Series focused on the Hispanic Latinx community and participated in Komen's Race for the Cure in Puerto Rico. Sharing her experience and knowledge with other patients, giving her a sense of purpose, So we are thrilled to have her on the show today to share her experience of living with NBC in the Latinx community. Adalia, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm very excited to talk to you uh, and very excited about your perspective on these things. So let's start by talking about your experience. What has your experience been like as a patient beginning with your diagnosis? When were you diagnosed and, and what was that like for you? Okay, um, I was diagnosed on November 2018. Um, I didn't have any symptoms, I believe, but I was doing a self-exam and I felt this little lump and right away next day I was on my um, doctor's office to have a mammogram and have a sonal just to find out what it was because I didn't like it. <laughs> so right away, the, she mentioned to me that there was a high possibility it was breast cancer. So that very same week, I had a bio- biopsy and their result came back pretty fast and it was like, mm, it was breast cancer. Um, my subtype is triple positive. positive um, and at the beginning, I thought I was an early stage cancer, but I was like not paying attention to my body signs. I was feeling this um, pain on my near my my shoulder, neck, and also some place within my hip. Um, but you know, you you're living a pretty hectic life, and you have kids, school. Um, work, family activities, etc. So you procrastinate your own health, and which is a huge mistake. And so I didn't pay attention to that. I decided that I was going to take care of my lump. And when I had my first appointment with my oncologist, uh, she asked me, do you have any other symptoms, something else that you want to talk about? And I remember the pain. And I said, yes, I do have this pain in these two areas, but I'm not sure how to identify exactly to pinpoint pinpoint where it is. And she, thanks to God, she she said, well, let's do a PET scan to see if you have something else. I wasn't expecting (laughs) to to have lesions in my bones and spine, but it came back 
with four lesions and she mentioned to me that I was um, metastatic de novo, which is from the, from the beginning. Yeah. So that's wow. how everything started. It mm. was really fast, everything. I'm fortunate enough to have like an amazing team of doctors and an awesome healthcare, um, health insurance, sorry. And I was, I was able to, to check everything and to move really fast to have my port implanted and to receive treatment in December the 28th was my first treatment. I was diagnosed uh, on November 8, 15. So I think it was fast. <laughs> so uh, you're, I just want to make sure that I got this right. So you were diagnosed on November 15th. Your first treatment was on December 28th, right? Yes. Wow. And, and what, what around what time did you go to the doctor for that initial visit? How fast was that? Um, as soon as I have the, I, as soon as I felt the lamp, I, it was the, the day after my 42 birthday. Okay. Um, my radio, uh, radiologist office, and then I have the biopsy that very same week. And then she sent me to an oncologist and also to a surgeon for port and maybe consideration of the mastectomy because at that time she thought it was our early stage cancer. Mm. And also I have my genetic testing right done. I have an MRI of the brain, spine. It was so fast. I was living practically in the hospital the entire month of December. Wow. So, yeah. I took sometimes from work and now I realize it was really fast, but back then I, I was thinking this is taking so long. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I can, I can imagine you want to know the answers, right? When you're, when you're sick, you want to know the answers immediately. It's so hard to not know. Um, so, so then what does your treatment look like today? I mean, you've been diagnosed with NBC. Um, do you have good access to care and, and what barriers have you had to overcome for, for care? Well, I'm currently on Herceptin Progeta Exgiva for the bones and also Arimidex. Okay. Yeah. So and that's my current treatment. My first, I'm still on my first line of treatment. Okay. Got it. So you're in your first line of treatment. And how, how has your access to care been? Well, it's been, I will say like 90% has been great. I did have some bombs on the road uh, but i managed them with direct communication with my health insurance and also with my patient ombudsman i i had to to file a complaint because um there was some point during my treatment that for some reasons things changed in my health insurance and they decided that I need to get my medication from the United States instead of having from the specialized pharmacy in Puerto Rico. So there was a delay in my treatments. And when your doctor tells you that you're supposed to have your treatment every 21 days, you want to have your treatment every, every 21 days because you think that cancer is going to grow and it's going to, you are going to have progression. Mm. So I was having a delay on my treatment and they managed to get me back to so now i'm still i, I received my supply my meds from a local specialized pharmacy but other than that it's been it's been good um okay it's fantastic that's uh I, i'm glad that it's been at least 90 percent good uh yeah. good experience so far right <laughs> uh that's that's an a um 
So, so talk a little bit about, you know, you're, you're a part of the Latinx community. How has that influenced your experiences throughout your treatment and living with NBC? Well, um, when I was diagnosed, I was trying to reach out to someone else uh, in Puerto Rico because I want to, to connect with someone in Puerto Rico that has my same diagnosis or at least um, metastatics, maybe not with the metastasis, metastasis in the bones, but somewhere else. And I did not find a support work, uh, group here in Puerto Rico. Uh, I did find someone else who was living with metastatic breast cancer, but she wasn't aware that she was living with metastatic breast cancer. So she saw herself as an early stage. And when I was talking to her, I was realizing that she's, maybe she's in denial or maybe she's not aware that her condition is a stage four metastatic has no cure. Mm. So. Is, um, I'm trying to build up a, a community in Puerto Rico of other patients. So right now I am partnering <laughs> with, uh, with another advocate. She's with another organization. And it's been, it's been really hard to get other Latinas here in Puerto Rico to belong to this group. And I'm not sure if this is some, something cultural that maybe we as a Latina we don't speak so much of our disease or maybe there is a lack of education or a combination of both so um, our interest is to build this community in puerto rico because my, my experience is that i had to reach out to other um patients in the united states and also in spain i also i contact another organization in spain uh, for metastatic breast cancer patients. Well, you know, I love that, you know, you didn't find a community that was there to help you. So now you're creating a community to help you and to help others. That's, that's really amazing and very admirable. So um, uh, just, you know, really, I really admire that. So I understand that you, you, you mentioned earlier, you had a very active life you still have a very full and active life while you're still going through treatment and all of treatment side effects. Can you tell me a little bit about your studies, your work and your home life and how you've been able to manage it all? Well, yes, um, at the beginning it wasn't all that, uh, in that way because when you are diagnosed with cancer and with metastatic breast cancer, you think that you are going to die. I mean, I thought that I was going to, to die within the next two years. <laughs> because that's what the statistics shows. May, they may not be as updated as we would like to, but while I was looking for information, that's the data that kept showing up. So like the median is two years, maybe three years. So, um, but then I endured treatment pretty well. And I learned to manage the side effects and after the chemo and radiation, I noticed that I was feeling better with the Herceptin and the Pergeta. So I said, okay, okay, I can do this. Um, so I decided to live my life regardless of my diagnosis because my diagnosis does not define me as a person. 
And also I have two teenagers. Um, I just don't want to, their life to be around cancer all the time. So I said to myself, well, you know, Idalia, you can manage this. You can deal with it. You're going to comply with all your treatments or your imaging, screening, all that stuff. And sometimes you get tired because it's too much. And sometimes I don't want to, to plan my vacations or my life around my 21 days for treatments. And, you know, sometimes it's overwhelming, but uh, I see that as, as is, this is what it takes for me to be well for my family, my kids, and for myself. I, I, say, to, I say to myself, okay, you have to do this. That's the only way. That's the option. You, there's no other option. It's either you comply with your treatment and your music lifestyle, or you're you're going to die. So mm. I think I'm blessed because I did have um, a good response to treatment. I know not not all people have the same response. Um, also, I had I was working with my doctorate degree. Um, I just want to finish it uh, because it's, that was a goal that I had from several deals. And um, I'm in the last stage of my degree, I'm in dissertation. So I'm being dragging my feet for a while, but um, I just need to finish my last three chapters. So that's something that I need to comply with. I'm trying to concentrate my efforts to finish that um, steps. Um, also, I have a support system. I don't have any siblings. I just have my family. I have no father, no mother, because they passed away when I was a kid. So all that I have is my partner, my kids, my pets, uh, my, my, and really great group of friends that support me. Uh, that's, that, I mean, that's so inspiring, honestly. I mean, to, to be going through the treatments that you're going through and still continue to live your life and still work towards your doctorate is just so inspiring. Um, I'm just incredibly impressed. I, I did switch my mind um, with my mindset with my work because I was, I still working full time, hmm. but prior to diagnosis, I was like um, having, I want, I'm just, I don't know how to say my work was extended into my weekends. Mm, and yeah. So now I learned that whatever is done is done and what is not finished, there's tomorrow. That's right. So, that's right. So yes, that's some change that I had with to make to be able to continue to work full time. Well, and that's such an important perspective to have to recognize that at the end of the day, the work day, there's always more work to be done. And at some point you have to stop and pick it up next week or tomorrow so that you can live your life now with your family and working towards all of your goals and building a community and, and all of the other amazing things that you're doing. So, uh, so why talk a little bit about why is it so important for you to share your experience and your knowledge with other patients? For me, what has helped me to deal with this um, disease is that I try to educate myself of my condition. 
because that's what is going to empower me um, to to have like more control. I don't know if I'm making sense, but but whenever I see my oncologist, I have like two to three questions that I would like some answer either for treatment or I ask him or her what if I have progression, what are my options? Because I want to know in advance what I will be facing and I would like to read about that in advance. It may be an option, it may not, but I'm ready. So to face whatever it takes, okay? So I think it's very important for, for our patients to be educated and to be your own advocate. Because sometimes you may have like a symptom and your doctor may overlook it, but you can insist, okay, I want to have this check because it's, I'm not feeling well. Mm-hmm. Um, so education, understanding your disease, your subtype, your line of treatments, your possible side effects, um, is for me is very is crucial to 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 deal with metastatic breast cancer. So, so, so then related to your ability to educate yourself and the importance of educating yourself. Can you recommend some resources that have helped you and that you would recommend others look into for people living with MBC? Yes, I um, I like to, you know, because when you are looking for for um, information about this condition, there's so many uh, information, experiences, testimony that shows up, and you need to refine your search. And I like to read our journal article articles instead of a newspaper article. I think that a journal article about a recognized um, magazine like the Oncology or someone else has like more substantial data to to. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 more complete information, right? Information, right? Reliable information, also. Mm-hmm. Right. And I do look information in um, Susan G. Komen, and there's like many options to to get to get educated about this country. I think that now, even with Susan G. Komen, metastatic breast cancer is like. Um, showing up more in the searches because there is like some sort of invisibility of this disease, especially among early stagers, they don't want to hear about metastatic breast cancer. Um, And sometimes I believe that doctors do not mention the possibility to, to those patients that are in early stage that the cancer may reoccur um, in stage as the stage four. So it's very important, not only for us, metastatic breast cancer to be educated, but also I, I believe that early stagers should learn about what may happen. It may not happen, but there is a 30%, um, statistics show that there is a 30% that may have a reoccurrence of the disease. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's really important to to know and to be aware of, of all that. So, uh, Adalia, last question: What would you like other MBC patients in the Latinx community to know? Well, well I would like uh, them to know is that um, whenever you have a system symptom, please get from medical attention. There is, um, according to statistics, um, Latinas and Hispanic, there's a cultural thing that they don't get prompt attention. They don't seek medical attention on time. And when they are diagnosed, they probably are on an advanced stage. So as soon as they have their first medical um, visit, please continue your screening. Um, if they recommend you a biopsy, do so. It's very important. Um, just get educated. Talk about your condition. Talk about your disease. There's nothing to be ashamed of. And I do mention that because at the beginning, I was ashamed of having metastatic breast cancer because I felt some sort of guilt that it was like my fault that I had breast cancer because I wasn't paying attention to my body. I wasn't doing proper screening of my breast as I should have. So I already made peace with those, so it's tough. <laughs> but it's very important to, to seek medical attention and to get educated and to reach out to other patients either Latinos or not, because I didn't find any other Latina that then, back then, but I did join other social media groups in Facebook and Instagram. And I reached out to their patient because I needed to, to talk about what was going on. Um, no one else can relate more than another metastatic breast cancer patient with you. Mm. Yeah, that's right. And that's such great advice. And, and I think in particular, your advice to educate yourself on these things so that you know what's going on. Um, Adalia, I mean, this is your story is inspiring. Your work and your study and your dedication to family and community is inspiring. And I just can't thank you enough for joining us on the show today. Thank you for the opportunity to share my experience with everyone. Okay. Thanks for listening to Real Pink, a weekly podcast by Susan G. Komen. For more episodes, visit realpink.komen.org. And for more on breast cancer, visit komen.org. Make sure to check out at Susan G. Komen on social media. I'm your host, Adam. You can find me on Twitter at AJ Walker or on my blog, adamjwalker.com.